Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackethman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Joined as always by my co-host, Amber Hunter. How are you today, Bruce? Pretty good. We got a great guest today. We got Kenny McDonald from One Columbus joining us. Absolutely. And the current chair of IEDC. I don't know if we could have a bigger guest if we tried. <laughs> I think we got very lucky with him uh, being so gracious to join us today. Um, I know that he's got over 20 years of experience in the industry, uh, massive advocate for IEDC. So I'm really excited to get him on the line, hear a little bit about his thoughts about the upcoming uh, IEDC conference in October. Um, so I think without further ado, let's dial in. Let's get him on. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from Columbus, Ohio, Kenny McDonald. How you doing? We're doing really good. Thanks, Bruce. Kenny, uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, I think last time we were together, it was over in the NASCO conference in Columbus, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we had uh, leaders from all over Mexico and Canada here, and uh, appreciate you coming to that. Um, uh, seems like forever ago. Yeah, it's almost about a year ago, I think we had uh, Prime Minister... Stephen Harper from Canada, along with the Premier Ford, Premier Kenny from Alberta, and uh, many different politicians from the U.S. and Mexico to promote the now ratified USMCA. So we've come a long way, I guess, in terms of the ratification of USMCA and implementing that into law. Well, it's going to be an important agreement uh, as we rebuild our supply chains and um, you know things around the world change. North America's competitiveness is. Uh, and the subject of that conference um, is something I think about probably even more these days. Well, uh, backing up uh, in terms of when you got your start, uh, you graduated from Dickinson State University in business administration. Uh, what did you envision for your career back then? Uh, was economic development on your radar? I had no idea when I graduated uh, undergrad that uh, that the industry existed at all, really. You know, this, uh, you know, people behind the curtain of communities and states and countries uh, that I think make a lot of things work um, even existed. So uh, not until after graduate school, uh, when I got an internship with a economic development group in Savannah, Georgia, did I realize that, uh, you know, this apparatus called economic development existed and they had all these super people um, from all over the earth that, uh, worked with public leaders and elected leaders and business leaders and uh, got stuff done and moved the world forward. So uh, you got your first taste of economic development, uh, working as a principal consultant for Floor's Global Location Strategies, a site selection firm. Can you speak of that experience? Yeah, I got lucky to move up to um, Greenville, South Carolina and join a team that was really one of the biggest in the world that did uh, 
um, they did site selection, corporate site selection for mostly industrial and manufacturing firms. And I got a chance to work in nearly every state in, in the U.S., uh, certainly Canada, Mexico, and then uh, site facilities in Asia and Europe. And uh, I spent seven years there and had um, just an incredible experience, um, both helping companies directly and, and really understanding how important the site selection game uh, was played. Um, and then also had the great fortune of meeting economic development leaders and public leaders through that process too around the world um, and probably solidified um, some principles that I've taken with me um, to apply in economic development and communities. Hi, Kenny. So it seems from that experience what definitely helped you in terms of networking with, you know, prominent economic development leaders. You then in 2003 joined the Charlotte Regional Partnership, where I believe you worked for over seven years, making your way to the executive vice president. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that role? Uh, was it your first in economic development? And what kind of did you help in terms of helping GRP grow and evolve to really the recognized organization that I think it is today? Uh, yeah, the Charlotte Regional Partnership was um, the third economic development organization that I had worked for beyond my site selection uh, work. Uh, Savannah, Albuquerque, New Mexico for a few years, and then thankfully in Charlotte for quite a few years. In all cases, I got to work for really great leaders and really great communities. Um, I'm, I'm big fans and still track everything they do to this day. Um Charlotte was a was a super community and kind of like Columbus, where I am now, a, a mid-sized city that is uh, you know big enough to have worldwide scale and um, industries from around the world, um, and small enough that uh, it's agile and um, uh, was growing like crazy. And you know, just some of the opportunities that we projects we worked on, things like that, are just. Uh, very, I, I, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to do that um, and still do here in Columbus, get the exposure I have to business leaders and some of these world changing businesses that we get to work with. And um, we're kind of in the, we're kind of inside the room, if you will. Excellent. And as you mentioned, you are currently uh, with One Columbus as the president and CEO, and you were actually appointed in 2010 uh, when it was a newly formed organization. Can you kind of speak of what it's like to take the helm of a new organization and how you decided what to prioritize back then to get your footing and kind of bring the organization to evolve to what it's become over the past decade? Yeah, it's my 10th year here in Columbus, almost unbelievably. Um, and when I uh, came, I, I really did not have a, um, a public-private partnership conducting uh, regional economic development. So for the first time in the area's history, it had a regional economic development group that was fully funded and resourced and, and able to be staffed and things like that, solid business and public support behind it. Um, that was really exciting and fun. Um, we're, I, I like to think in some ways we're a lot more sophisticated now in the way that we operate the group. We have 20 people and, you know, kind of a solidified budget and we've been through several, you know, uh, cycles of, of, you know, business cycles and everything else now. Um, but I do miss the startup days, uh, when we had to kind of reinvent everything and quite frankly, we had the opportunity to, uh, decide our culture and um, 
you know, uh, work on all the little teeny things that uh, you get to do when you're um, just starting an organization that seem like a nuisance, but they really are the foundation of a, a well-built uh, organization. Um, one Columbus is um, is a model that most economic development organizations or cities try to duplicate or emulate. I've heard comparisons of one Columbus to the New England Patriots with you being the Bill Belichick of that organization, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of made that up myself, but you, you know what I mean? Uh, where um, Cities want to be you. They often come to you for advice on how to build a team. And you talked about building a company culture. You've been able to attract top talent like a Matt McQuaid, a Deb Shear, a Matt McAllister. How have you brought talent into the organization, kept them and built your culture around talent and keeping them? I got to get one of those hoodies with the cutoff sleeves. That's all I'm thinking about now, Bruce. Um, well, first of all, it's flattering to have people call us and ask for um, our counsel. But I will tell you that we we ask for a lot more counsel than we than we give. Um, we're constantly learning from other organizations, and maybe especially during the the pandemic, I've had opportunity to be part of some small groups of economic development leaders and regional organizations and um, uh, around the country. And I just, I'm amazed by the, the great work and the passion that people bring to these um, organizations and their communities. And we're constantly learning. Um, I will brag that our, our team, um, you know, makes uh, a lot of things look really easy um, and they're, um, they're really dedicated first and foremost to the area. I would say that most of the, the people that we have on our team are from Ohio and have a deep passion for their work beyond just executing it technically. Um, you know, the jobs that they're creating are for family, friends, uh, people they graduated, uh, university with, um, or live in their hometowns. And I think that does get you through some tough days. And so um, um, it provides an additional motivation if you needed any in this business. Um, and we're really thankful that we've had uh, consistency, that we've had quite a few people stay you know, throughout the tenure of the organization, uh, some core people. And we've had some other great people that have come and gone and went on to even greater things. And um, we love that, too, so that their, you know, their seeds are planted and you know, their foundations are with some things that they learned, uh, hopefully, from, from our group. Interesting. Um, so a comment that I get a lot from young economic developers is that they've kind of just newly entered the industry and the first few projects that they've worked are always sort of fallen into either the same uh, industry sector. So either it be manufacturing or technology. And I noticed that you have a vast experience, you know, working with a variety of industries, automotive, biotech, pharma, manufacturing, the list goes on. Do you have advice to these economic developers that are a little bit afraid to be industry agnostic and want to learn a little bit about how to juggle such a variety of profiles when they're doing these projects? I just read a great book called Range. <laughs> uh, are a, um, it's really about the power of being a generalist. Um, and I, I just was, you know, I was digesting the book, you know, from my experiences as an economic developer and as a site selector and everything else that um, I, I, I think we're in the business of just a few things. And I, I do think that we have to have deep knowledge of, um, we have to have deep knowledge of what we represent 
um, whether that be a state or a single community or a region, um, our clients um, need help. Um, it's a complicated uh, process to select a new location or um, you know, decide that you're going to move out in an existing location, even if that's just you know across town, across the street, or maybe even across the world. Um, they, they need help, and they're counting on economic development people to be that local resource guide for them. Um, I, I also, um, you know, I, I do value that there's, there are people in sectors like energy and, and, uh, biohealth and things like that, that need to have really deep knowledge of their industries to be able to do that. So there are, there are things in the industry where it does make sense, but most of the time we're in the business of helping people navigate our, our local community and we should be experts at, uh, the business of locating facilities. And that means all the things that go with that workforce and taxes and incentives, physical locations, uh, and all the, on all the decision-making that uh, has to go on to, to have a successful project. And uh, if we're good at that, um, then we don't have to know every industry. Um, we have to just have a passion for our clients, know our product really well, and, um, and really have a passion for helping people get through a, a what can be a, you know, a myriad of, of issues and, and challenges. Well, now's the time that like no other where companies do need your help. Uh, could you speak to your organization's efforts to continue fostering economic development in your region, in the Columbus region during the pandemic and assisting local industry? Well, start, you know, about uh, almost two years ago. Now we started a strategic planning process at the end of a decade. We had, uh, we had a 10 year plan that we um, fully executed, I call Columbus 2020. And we kind of blew it out of the water. You know, we, we they, they set some really bold goals around job creation investment, um, per capita income and stuff. And we were really lucky enough to exceed all of those. So we were approaching a, the end of a decade and um, we wanted to undertake a, a process and think about the future. and. You know, I, I, thought, I think about this every day now that, you know, where we ended up was all of our work, all of this, all the success that our region had had, more people working in our region, higher wages, um, more investment than ever before, and, you know, functioning regional organization with counties and cities that were collaborating on a constant basis. All of that had a ceiling on it um, because of the inequities that, our communities were experiencing uh, and they are, you know, inequities in um, economic development terms and wealth creation and in wages and employment. Um, they're also kind of across those boundaries and they're in, um, you know, lifespans will be vastly different from one part of the community to another or one part of a region to another. Um, and those things are limitations on your economic output, your capability. And so where we, where we really settled was growth is critically important. It's obviously at the heart of any economic development strategy. Uh, and growth is, it cures a lot of uh, ills, um, but it can't get you to where you ultimately want to be in any economic development plan because um, growth without, without um, an intentional effort to close gaps and, um, you know, get at some of those inequities that are preventing, you know, big parts of your community 
from participating in the modern economy or building wealth over the long term um, really holds you back and creates a ceiling on your growth, which should be unlimited. And um, so we set down that uh, we set down that path to be the most prosperous region in the country. And um, we began executing on that, uh, you know, just a little bit before uh, the end of 2019. And um, we're, we're beginning to, you know, really run full throttle. And COVID hit and um, punched us in the nose. And once we regained our footing, I will tell you that we're more dedicated to our vision and our mission as part of that vision for the community than ever before. I think it's, I think it's really dead on um, with the problem that we're facing today is that we got it. We've got to stimulate growth, but we have to close inequities at the same time in order to achieve what we really want to achieve is safe, prosperous communities. Another organization that has been impacted by COVID-19 is the IDC, which you happen to be the elected chair of. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, Thank you. Could, you. could you tell our listeners when you first got involved with IDC, how the organization helped you throughout your career and any advice you would give to young professionals and about how they could leverage IDC to boost their own careers? Well, I think uh, whatever industry you were in when, um, you know, the the economy stopped and the world stopped for COVID, I'm pretty sure that you were you were calling and and you were leaning on peers and colleagues in your industry. I certainly we certainly did that in economic development. Um, I'm really, you know, the IEDC is it's not the only organization um, that, that people turn to as part of this business, but it is the largest, um, and biggest platform for it. And I want to thank you guys for constantly investing in it in participating in IEDC throughout the years. You add a lot to the conversation, um, with regard to foreign investment and economic development from a different perspective, a private perspective. Um, that's why I'm engaged. It's why I've been engaged for over 20 years in the organization is, um, I, I remain really curious. And I'm, uh, I, I, I feel like we got an unbelievable opportunity and I lean on my national and international colleagues for, for help and perspective through that process. And IDC and Jeff Finkel and the, and the team there have just been um, a great resource of that for me. Well, thank you for the kind words. You know, IDC, um, I've been in the industry for almost six years now, and my first event really helped spearhead, you know, creating a network within North America. And as you said, on the private sector, but there, there's so many synergies and sharing of knowledge that it helps us understand, you know, markets that are growing and, and it's just a, it's a great organization. We were, um, I'm really impressed to see how IEDC so quickly, you know, adapted to the pandemic and started putting out really uh, research heavy webinars uh, that were very helpful and then ultimately had to make the decision to switch virtual while also making the annual conference surrounding a very timely conversation of inclu inclusivity in economics. Can you kind of speak to these decisions and, and how proud are you that the organization isn't shying away from what's, you know, at the, the hot topic, if you will, but something that's been, we've been discussing for years. Well, I'll, I'll give uh, the organization a ton of credit and Jeff Finkel in particular, the leader who's been the leader for 30 plus years now um, in that um, it's an incredibly diverse organization in every way. You have leaders from all kinds of backgrounds that are, that are part of it and leaders and organizations, different types of communities that are um, um, 
you know, part of it and um, give to it and contribute knowledge to it and writing and everything else. Um, but even with all that diversity, they had to be really intentional and build a board that's that's diverse and have official, you know, perspectives sort of brought to the table. Um, so when the topics needed to be discussed, you know, what was interesting to me was the experts were a phone call away, but they were in the first person uh, when people were making phone calls and saying, could you do this webinar for us? Would you be part of the panel? These were not strangers. These were people that are on the IEDC board that are active in the committee structure or uh, at the very minimum have been longtime members. And that's pretty cool. Um, and I, I will say, you know, this is, this is uh, you know, it, it's a trying time for everyone. And I think we all feel a bit, um, you know, we feel this personally um, that even with all the work that has been done, um, not enough had been done. Not enough had been done to address specifically the issue of racism. And so I'm proud of IDC, IDC's position, um, um, the committee we put together, and the dialogue that we're uh, really just beginning um, to not just talk about diversity and inclusion, but to talk about equity and racism and how that impacts the tools that we have and how we conduct our daily business as economic developers. Absolutely. And do you have any tips, newcomers in economic development, about how they can get involved with IEDC and continue their education uh, in the field of economic development through IEDC? Well, you can start by attending the annual meeting, um, which is in October, and it's all virtual. Um, but as I look at the agenda, um, and it's a pretty incredible agenda that uh, does really, um, you know, hit the critical points that we need to be talking about. And what's interesting about that is a lot of that agenda was set a long, long time ago. Um, and um, so we were maybe headed down the right direction. There's been some things and some speakers that have been added since then that uh, will only add to that. If that's your first exposure to IEDC, it'll be a little bit odd because it's virtual. Uh, maybe we won't have as quite as much fun as we do when we all gather together uh, at places around um, the country and the world. Um, but um, that said, dive in and um, get started and, and raise your hand to volunteer um, because we need people to, to help at all levels with um, you know, small committees we have for um, for minority groups and for young leaders and um, you know, for research groups and all kinds of things. And I just, uh, again, I, I appreciate everybody leaning in and at least taking a look at uh, what's on that agenda for the annual meeting. Kenny, we appreciate your leadership. Uh, you've given to the economic development community uh, throughout COVID. And I, I appreciate uh, the inspirational words you gave to myself early on, kind of in April. I really appreciated you reaching out uh, in April when COVID first hit. Uh, how can people get in touch with you uh, at One Columbus? Pretty easy. Um, just send me an email at km at columbusregion.com. Thank you so much, Kenny. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 